This is Curious Minnesota, a Star Tribune project that sends staff from the state's largest newsroom hunting for the answers to great questions we receive from you, our readers. We're here to answer everything you want to know about the state's people, places, and culture. Welcome to Curious Minnesota. I'm your host, Eric Roper. Today we're talking about the interesting events that transpire at the borders between states, where different laws and sometimes different cultures collide. Our focus is the twin cities of Fargo and Moorhead, located in North Dakota and Minnesota, respectively. These connected towns became a battleground over booze in the late 1800s after North Dakota entered the Union with a prohibition on alcohol baked into its state constitution. Listener Chris Cope, who lives in England and has Minnesota roots, wanted to know more about how Moorhead became a drinking hub as a result of North Dakota's alcohol ban. Here's Chris. I had a question about the city of Moorhead. Uh, I lived in Moorhead for a while when I was going to college there in the uh, late 1990s. And when I was there, with all due respect to the good people of northwestern Minnesota, it was the most boring place on the planet Earth. It was just mind-numbing. But apparently it used to be a lot more interesting. And, and I remember one of my professors telling me that at some point in Moorhead's history, it was full of brothels and gambling halls and saloons and so I got in touch with you guys because I wanted to know a little bit more about that. Like, is that true? Did Moorhead used to be that cool? And if so, why? How did that happen? And what happened that it stopped being that way? Thanks to Chris for that question. Today we are chatting with reporter Reed Forgrave, who dug into the history of this topic for Curious Minnesota. Here's my conversation with Reed. Well, Reed, thanks so much for joining us. So, all right, let, I just want to set the stage about you a little bit. So you are one of our statewide reporters. You're on the road. Exactly. You're, you're all over the place. I'm heading out on the road tomorrow morning, going up north for a couple of stories, going to Longville, okay. and then going to uh, Crosby, Ironton. But yeah, I've yeah. Been to, my job has taken me to Moorhead several times the past couple of years. Right. So you're familiar with this area because, you know, it's and it's, a, it's sort of a key area because it's a border city. It's right on the border between North Dakota and Minnesota, which in, leads to interesting stories Absolutely. like this one. I think border communities in general, they have very unique tales that come out of it. But when mm -hmm. you get a border community between two states that are as different as North Dakota and Minnesota, different culturally, but different legislatively. Right. I mean, we're talking red state America and we're talking blue state America. That can lead to some really interesting stories. And right. I think this is you know, very much like a century old version yeah. of that that story that, that I think resonates very much today. Like it's kind of the original story of <laughs> yeah. that, right? I mean, as far as this border is concerned. Yeah. Um, okay. So before we get to the liquor, we got to talk about the Wild West. I promise listeners that this is relevant to the whole tale here. And it's actually incredibly fascinating. So we should just start with the founding of Moorhead. So Moorhead, 1871. But this is like you got the Dakota Territory right there. Mm -hmm. It's basically the frontier and like who's creating this city. It kind of comes out of nowhere. Uh, Moorhead's founded on the Red River uh, in the Red River Valley, but it's not founded organically. 
It's founded by the Northern Pacific Railway. That's like, hey, we're building a railway to go out west. We're going to build a town here. Hmm. So in 1871, they build a town there. And this town, we have railway workers. We have uh, uh, saloon owners. We have uh, sex workers. We don't have teachers and judges and police officers, mm-hmm. uh, the things of what we think of as the pillar of a community. And it's named after a railway official. Exactly. Just as a yeah. little piece of Who trivia never there. went to Moorhead, by the way. Okay. <laughs> Someday I want that in my life where a town I've never been to is, right. is named after me. Um, but <laughs> and we're still was, talking about it. When we think about the Wild West, right, we think about Deadwood. Mm-hmm. Uh, we think about the HBO show. And Which that is was based in South Dakota. Based in South Dakota. And that is, uh, you know, late 1870s. But before Deadwood, there was Bismarck. And before Bismarck, there was Moorhead, Minnesota for a very brief time, uh, 1871 until uh, late spring, right. 1872. This was a Wild West town. And I think what was interesting in the story was that, like, you know, you call it the Wild West. And then there's a scene here that's very, like, theatrically Wild West as we associate it with, like, the movies. And it's really what ends up creating the more civilized Moorhead that would come later. So tell me the tale of this gunfight that changes everything. It's the best. I mean, we're talking a town that. Uh, a historian told me it was it was not uncommon for there to be a gunfight before breakfast and after breakfast. Okay. Uh, this one happened right around breakfast time. So one night at a gambling hall, there was a dispute between two of these, uh, you know, fairly lawless characters. One of them was named Slim Jim Shumway. The other one was Shang Stanton. Uh, now, Stanton, the next morning, he was grabbing, you know, it was a, it was a morning in a Wild West town. What do you right. do? You go, go to a saloon, you grab a drink. You just start drinking in that's, the morning. That's certainly what I'd do. And then Shumway comes up to him. Shumway has two revolvers in his hand, and he gives uh, Stanton a shove because mm-hmm. he was still mad at him for their dispute the night before. But Stanton knew he was coming. He he'd said, hey, we, we've heard that uh, Mr. Shumway is out looking for you. And he wheels around on his bar stool and shoots him in the belly. And then runs off. Now, Shumway, as he's dying, mm-hmm. gives chase outside the saloon into this Wild West road. And he's just firing wildly. And he ends up killing a bystander, a, uh, a neighboring saloon owner, a guy named J.P. Thompson, okay. before Shumway ends up dying. Now, at this point, you know, Stanton is a wanted man. But, you know, when you're a wanted man and there's no police, <laughs> there's, right. no, there's no judge, there's no court system, there's no government mm-hmm. in Clay County. So what happens is a posse goes that day and arrests Stanton, but they say, hey, <laughs> what do we do now? We need an actual government. We can't be lawless anymore. So they form the very first Clay County government. Wow. Um, they appoint a sheriff. They appoint a county, county attorney. They appoint a justice of the peace. And then Stanton goes on trial. Uh, but that very much ends the lawlessness of Wild West Moorhead. Okay. And that's when it ends up moving west to Bismarck right. and then eventually uh, to Deadwood. That same wow. sort of uh, Wild West nature ends up sort of being an icon of American history. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, that's a fascinating origin story for, right? I mean, you know, right. for any for any town. 
Um, okay, so moving forward a number of years, 1889, North Dakota becomes a state, and South Dakota became a state at the same time. But North, so North Dakota bans alcohol in its state constitution. So right from the beginning, North yeah. Dakota is a dry state, and this kind of sets up like a divide, right, on this border. Yeah, um, I mean, you talk about like the red blue divide in America. There it is, right there. Mm-hmm. That's kind of where it started between Minnesota and mm-hmm. North Dakota, and the people in Moorhead. These town founders, the leaders, they realize they have a choice to make. Fargo's the bigger community. So Moorhead can choose purity uh, or they can choose prosperity. And they very much say, okay, we're going to choose prosperity. We're going to be sort of the booze supplier to mm-hmm. Fargo and really to all of eastern North Dakota. Right. Okay. So this is sort of the, the I think you call it the carousing capital. Or <laughs> <laughs> the Vegas the of party the Red scene. River Valley. Right? Yeah. Okay. And then the mayor is sort of like, he's he welcomes this, right? Or he's sort of, he has a quote you had in the story kind of saying like, bring it on. Well, the mayor, John Erickson, he happened to be also a brewer. So, you know, had a little bit of vested interest here. But here's what he said. He said- This is the mayor of Moorhead. Mayor of Moorhead. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he said, let the saloons come. The more, the better it will be for us. They pay more in taxes than anyone else. How many temperance people pay $500 a year in taxes? Mm -hmm. So Moorhead, this is a conscious decision. This isn't something that just kind of happens where, hey, you know, we're going to, you know, a saloon will will, will pop up. This becomes we are going to choose to become prosperous and, and really in many ways base our economy on supplying Beer and liquor to right. uh, North Dakotans, and then let's just talk about the geography here for a second. So the the Red River divides these two cities, and so you got to get people sort of across the river. So transportation becomes like a part of this whole scene. Yeah, these are these, these are sister cities. They always have been. When we talk about Fargo Moorhead now, we talk about it as Fargo Dash Moorhead, right. right? So one river divides it. Two bridges going across the river, and what happens is uh, people in North Dakota. They'll stay in Fargo, stay in some of the hotels in Fargo, and there are what's called jag wagons that will take people directly from their hotel to the saloons. These are jag wagons that are operated by the saloons to say, hey, we're going to take you, North Dakotan, or visitor to Fargo, and we're going to bring you across the river to this very specific saloon so you can have a night out on the town. Sure. Yeah. Okay. And so where, where are they going to? What are these saloons? We're not just talking a few saloons. Uh, There are saloons that are right on the river, and then there are saloons all through downtown Moorhead. This is a town of 3,700 people Mm -hmm. with 47 saloons plus one brewery. So we're talking one saloon for every 79 people in town. And they have these. And that's around 1900 or so? Yeah, this is around 1900. Mm -hmm. They have these great names like John Haas's Midway, the Three Orphans Saloon, uh, the House of Lords, the Rathskeller on the Rhine. And that has this like big, beautiful arcaded porch with these huge pillars, and they'd often have polka bands out there. Uh, but this is very much like the economic driver of Moorhead, Minnesota, okay. was selling booze to North Dakotans, selling right. booze to Fargoans. We're talking one in 10 families in Moorhead was supported by this industry. Wow. And so, I mean, the interesting thing is that, like, you don't even have to go over to more. I mean, maybe you do in some ways, but you don't have to go, you don't have to go get a drink in Moorhead. To, you, you could get it over in the Dakotas through this, like, strange loophole. This big loophole. Well, look, you can, you can certainly find blind pigs, illegal saloons over mm-hmm. in North Dakota. But legally, there was this huge loophole, which is you can't drive from North Dakota to Minnesota, buy a crate of whiskey and bring it back home to North Dakota. That's illegal. 
You can buy you can buy it by mail though. Oh, okay. Uh, as long as the transaction takes place in Minnesota, uh, this was a huge loophole and very much like added to the prosperity of these folks in Moorhead because if you could mail a check uh, or mail your cash to a saloon owner and they will mail you your whiskey. Yeah, it's a really, really enormous loophole that was very much exploited by these saloon owners. Okay. So, all right, we've been talking about the party, and there's lots of partying going on so over, much partying. In, over in Moorhead. And there's also sort of, like, downsides to this, right? I mean, it's not all fun and games over there. Yeah, I mean, we can we can laugh at it. It's, an, mm-hmm. it's a great American story. But, 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 yeah, there's a there's a red light district. There's a lot of exploitation going on in town. Fargo's always been the bigger community. It's about three times the size of, of Moorhead around 1900. But at that same time, Moorhead had three times as many arrests as Fargo. Wow. Um, the majority of those were alcohol-related arrests. And then you also have some stuff like liquor distributors who were smuggling stuff onto nearby Ojibwe reservations where liquor was illegal. So, yes, absolutely there was a dark side in choosing prosperity over purity. And when we talk about those arrests, I mean— you know, Moorhead gets the reputation, but a lot of these people are coming from across the border, right? Well, there were a, a guy named Marcus Kruger, who's a, a Clay County historian, and, and by the way, does monthly history nights, local history nights at a brewery, okay. which I think is very appropriate, right? This lives on today. Mm-hmm. But he he speaks about this. And he's like, if you take a census of the people who are in these 47 saloons in Moorhead at the time, the vast majority of them are North Dakotans. So it was... It was liquor tourism. Right. So in 1915, I mean, you know, this is before national prohibition still, but Minnesota is starting to inch toward prohibition sort of on more of a county by county basis because that kind of ends the party. So what, what happens there? So in 1915, the legislature says, hey, we're going to no longer allow uh, what they call local exemptions. So you can't have a dry county and a city within that county that's wet. You go all dry or all wet. So... People in Clay County were sick of the reputation that their county, that Moorhead had, and they felt, yeah, we chose prosperity over purity, but we need to be a little bit more pure. Yeah. So in 1915, the county votes, uh, are we going to be a dry county or a wet county? And overwhelmingly, by more than 1,000 votes, they say, we are going to be a dry county. And Moorhead, you are no longer exempted from that. So that goes into effect on July 1st, 1915. So you can imagine the kind of party that was planned right. well, for you June 30th, it. 1915. Yeah. yeah, you describe it in the story. I mean, it's like a huge scene. There's thousands of people, right? 8,000 people coming to downtown Moorhead. They had fireworks. Some of the bars actually ran out of liquor. They, like, sold all their liquor. Some of the saloon keepers literally turned back the clock. They're wow. like, we're not getting to midnight. We're going to get an extra hour. So they, they, they pull back the clock. I can only imagine, you know, the literal, <laughs> the figurative uh, hangover that this city had the mm-hmm. next day. Yeah. But then the party was over and all these saloons, I mean, they didn't just disappear. They kind of went underground. Right. They turned into blind pigs. Right. But that was the day the party ended in Moorhead. And then soon you'd have national prohibition and then, you know, speakeasies were a very common thing. You know, so anyway, they kind of turned into those types of things. Yeah, exactly. Essentially. And the speakeasy culture in Moorhead started four or five years before uh, that national speakeasy culture. Right. Okay, so the party's over and then, you know, you have like World War One and Moorhead, I mean, as you note in the story, it kind of, you know, things sort of take a down downward turn for the local economy, right? Yeah. So liquor was the economic driver. This is a farm town with a liquor economy. And the liquor economy goes away after 1915. And then after World War I, 
the farm economy really struggles. Wheat prices plummeted. So Moorhead, uh, we're talking about the years leading into the Depression, was really struggling, was really trying to find its footing as a community after liquor became illegal there and then also dealing with these farm issues. Mm-hmm. And I mean, d- now it's kind of known as a college town. Is that fair? I mean, yeah, I think really the, the whole Fargo-Moorhead area is known as a college town. Concordia in Moorhead, Minnesota State at Moorhead, and then, you know, playing schools. NDSU across the border. Yeah, NDSU across the border. So what's interesting here, how this plays out, like when there are surveys of American cities, what are the drunkest metropolitan areas in America. Fargo-Moorhead is often on that list. And I think it can be easy to just say, oh, yeah, it's because there's a bunch of colleges there. And mm-hmm. we, we remember what we did in college. Right. Of, course there, of course it's a drunk area. But, and this is something that local historians uh, pointed out to me, there's also this like long dysfunctional relationship that this area has had with alcohol. And maybe, just maybe, that's part of what's playing out in the modern days when you talk about, uh, you know, a city that still has this relationship with alcohol. Yeah. Well, Reed, thank you so much. It's a fascinating story. I mean, this is why I love this project, because I think it sort of surprised both of us. Totally. And, and, and Absolutely. this reader kind of just sent us in a direction we weren't expecting, and, and this history, and about a, t- about a city that you were sort of already covering, and then you learned this whole history that we didn't know about. I, I knew a little bit about Moorhead, but I had no idea... And that's that's why I love this Curious Minnesota when I'm always thrilled to write stories like this. I mean, this is one of the most fun stories I've gotten to do all year. Well, great. Well, Reed, thanks so much. Awesome. Thanks. Okay, that's it for today's episode. Thanks, as always, to Matt Gilmer for editing this show. If you have feedback for us or a question you'd like us to answer, send us a note at curious at startribune.com. And as always, if you are enjoying this show, please tell a friend about it. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Curious Minnesota. We want to hear from you. Ask questions and read more stories online at startribune.com backslash curious. Our show is recorded at the Star Tribune's headquarters in beautiful downtown Minneapolis. And our music is produced by Matt Gilmer. If you like the show, please rate us on iTunes or leave a review. And until next time, stay curious.